Well, I didn't expect to do more of these. It's been a while since I've done the last one. Um, when I used to do these, I used to focus on pretty much nothing. I, there wasn't a focus. I would go back and forth between football, between basketball, some golf, music, TV, movies, pretty much anything I wanted to talk about. It was just a podcast. Uh, this time, if I do more of these, I plan on doing more. Uh, this is the first one I've done in over a year. It might be even two years now, uh, the last time I checked. But now that LeBron is on the Lakers, which is a historical franchise, there's so much to go along with it, I feel like there's going to be a lot to talk about week in and week out. And already, first week of the NBA, we got many storylines. Lakers are one three, Rondo's punching, LeBron's godfather of his kids, uh, I mean, you can't you can't script this stuff. Uh, the NBA is the greatest league, and we got the greatest franchise in the history of the sport, and arguably the greatest player in the history of the sport. All together, it's just one big storyline the whole season. Um, but I'm going to focus on them. I'm not going to talk football. Um, I'm not going to talk golf. <laughs> I'm not going to talk baseball. I'm not going to talk. Any, I'm not going to talk in any sport but basketball. I may sprinkle in some other. Uh, teams in basketball, other storylines, anything else that's going on. Uh, for this one today, I'm going to focus on the Lakers. There's already so much to talk about uh, with this Rondo and CP3 drama. I, I don't even I don't even know where to begin. I mean, do we have to side with Rondo because he's a Laker? I mean, sit there and ask yourself that. Do you have to side with Rondo because he's a, because he's a Laker? Are we forgetting the seven, eight years, whatever it was that he played with the Celtics? Isn't that the Lakers' biggest rival, the Celtics? Are we forgetting how much, and I've never been a Laker fan until about four or five months ago, so I can't tell you all the specifics, but I'm willing to put money on the fact that there were many years that these Laker fans that are now embracing Rondo hated him while he was in Boston. And another thing, how many of them loved CP3 before David Stern nixed that trade? So we flip-flop. We can't we have to be we can't be complacent. We have to view players as just players. We can't just say because they're on your favorite team that you're going to side with them regardless. Listen, what Rondo's doing right now is he's deflecting blame. For one thing, to say that he didn't it was caught on camera. Whether it was an intentional or not, I don't know how much that much spit comes out of your mouth while you're not even saying too much. In an argument, while it's already intense, I mean, are we really going to sit there and go, ah, maybe he didn't do it on purpose. Hey, it just happened. No, he did it on purpose. You know it. Quit lying to yourself. The dude spit on another man. Now, CP3, his initial thing to put his finger in his face and stuff. Now, that's a little that's a little odd. I mean, most other players, I think, would have already would have would have punched him immediately. Immediately as he got spit in his face. Uh, they're they're punching him straight in the face. Now, Chris Paul didn't do that. I think a big reason why is we keep forgetting he's the player of the President's Union. He's got to keep up some kind of image for the rest of the players in the NBA. If he's out there just throwing a punch, it might look bad, bad on his part. But since he wasn't the first one to throw the punch, it doesn't look half as bad. Now, let's start with that. Now, Rondo came back and said, if I want to spit on him... I would have my hands ready for a fight because if you spit on someone, you know you know a punch is coming. You know it's going to turn into something physical. And I agree with that. But also, Rondo is the type that, I mean, you've seen it. 
You've seen the free throw routine where he doesn't let players high five their own teammates. You've seen during huddles where he's in there and he's instigating and he's trying to get into the other team's huddle. He does little things. They're very small and intricate and and so I don't I don't even know the word for it. It's just he does it well. He really does get under your skin, but it's so methodical that it's not like Lance where it's out in the open. Everybody sees it, they laugh. Blah, blah, you can shrug it aside. Rondo does it in such a way that actually works. Uh, to get under Chris Paul's skin, if you're not a ref, is pretty difficult. The guy, I mean, he will get upset, but to get physical like that doesn't happen too often with Chris Paul. Now, let's go to Rondo's quote. This is the quote he said. See, this is, this is the common reaction from someone who knows they're in the wrong. They immediately deflect the blame and they try and change the conversation. So instead of talking about him spitting or not spitting, the fight, what's going on with his team, he says, and this is a quote, everyone wants to believe Chris Paul is a good guy. They don't know he's a horrible teammate. They don't know how he treats people. Okay. First thing I'll respond with is, how does he know? He's never played with the guy. So he's just going off of what people say. Okay, so the five or six people that told him, oh, I didn't like Chris Paul. I didn't like Chris Paul. So now we're just, Chris Paul's a terrible teammate. Chris Paul's a horrible guy. And yeah, there have been a lot of things said over the years. Blake Griffin didn't get along with him. DeAndre Jordan almost left the Clippers, but then came back. And they seemed like they were fine, but they also had issues. The thing is, is we judged Chris Paul a lot on that Clippers Team, You know, the underperforming Clippers team that couldn't get past the second round, who had all this talent, Lob City, couldn't find a small forward. We blame a lot of that on Chris Paul, but in fact, he was the only reason they were competitive in the first place. Do you remember Blake Griffin coming into this league? Guy was just a dunker. That's all he was. He didn't excel on the defensive end. He couldn't shoot the ball. He didn't have post-up moves. He was just an athletic freak that you couldn't pass on. And he's developed his game now. I mean, you saw the other night, 50 points against the Pistons, or on the, sorry, he's on the Pistons now, so, so weird. 50 points the other night. He's developed his game. And I would think probably 10, maybe 20 years from now, Blake Griffin's going to thank Chris Paul because I, I, could, I probably can say that Chris Paul was a big reason why Blake Griffin adjusted his game. He knew that as your age increases, your athleticism declines. If you have a shot, if you could shoot the ball, if you can make moves with footwork, I mean, even look at Kobe. Kobe played 20 years, and you know I'm not the biggest Kobe fan, but look at how he was able to continue his career. You want to know why? Because he could shoot the ball, and he had impeccable footwork that he can get a shot at any moment. There's guys in the league that just are all based off of, look at, look at even Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade has had to try and learn how to shoot threes, and even now, He's struggling to get minutes on a Heat team that's borderline in the middle of the Eastern Conference. It's not like he's leading that team. They play him late in games because, I mean, it is Dwayne Wade. You know, you're going to play him. He's in Miami. They even have a county named after him. Anyways, what I'm saying is when all you are is a straight athletic attacker and breaking down the defense with your drives and all that, it fades. It fades quick. And if you don't have something to fall back on, it's going to be tough to continue your career. That's why I'm worried about a guy like Westbrook. Westbrook really needs to figure out a jump shot, like a, a like a legit jump shot 
to extend his career because once that athleticism fades and that speed declines even just a little, he's going to be a lot easier to defend and he's going to be a lot easier to attack on the offensive end. Anyways, let's go back to the quote saying that they don't know how he treats people. Ron, I'm talking about Rondo's quote about Chris Paul. He, they don't know how they don't know he's a horrible teammate. They don't know how he treats people. Okay, this is coming from a player in Rajon Rondo that has been on six teams in the past five years. Um, should we should we really even care who he thinks is a good or bad teammate? I mean, this guy has had issues with Rick Carlisle, Doc Rivers, two of the supposed best coaches other than Popovich, Brad Stevens, two of the top, maybe probably top five coaches in my lifetime he's had issues with. He went to the Bulls, got bought out. Didn't even They didn't even acknowledge the rest of his contract. They bought him out. They didn't want him there. Yeah, they were going with a younger, a younger group and he, him being there was kind of pointless, but he, they didn't want him there. You would think a good teammate they would keep around for your younger players, like the Lakers are trying to do this year. That he's going to mentor Lonzo, he's going to push Lonzo, he's going to be in film room, blah, blah, blah. Okay. While he was on the Bulls, he made some other noise. Called out Jimmy Butler. Called out Dwayne Wade for being bad leaders, isolating the team. How is calling out two teammates, the two best players on the team, the only reason your team is competitive, calling them out publicly, how is that the definition of being a good teammate? I I mean, it just blows my mind that people think Rondo is a good teammate while he's constantly running his mouth, getting into these antics, having publicly known issues with big-time coaches. I mean, I remember reading a report, and I don't have any documentation. I don't have a link. I don't have anything to go back on to prove this. This is just something I remember hearing. I remember listening to on a radio show or reading. I don't know what it was, but I remember hearing. It might have been on on Coward when Doc Rivers went in. But anyways, Doc Rivers talked about that coaching Rondo was one of the hardest things he's ever done. Going into practice, it was he would think in his head, oh, hopefully this is a good day. Hopefully this is a good day for Rondo. He said literally he would go to practices and Rondo would just be in some kind of mood that he would just be frustrated immediately. It wouldn't be about anything. He would just be mad about something and, and create this adversity and this tension inside their team for no reason. And it was proven. It was proven as soon as Ray Allen, at his age of what? What was he, 37, 38 years old? Literally, his career was over. All he was was a three-point shooting specialist. He is what Kyle Korver is today. Kyle Korver is on the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that's 0-3 as well, and doesn't look like a team that's going to be a playoff team. And he's coming off the bench, sometimes not even playing, because you know why? Because he's a three-point shooting specialist, and that doesn't help a young team. It helps, that helps a team competing for a championship. That's what Ray Allen was at the end of his career. And you know what he decided? Well, my contract's up. I'm going to go to Miami, and I'm going to put myself in a position that gives me a chance at winning a championship. And you know, Rondo didn't like that. Rondo didn't like that Ray Allen, who they had easily a lot of issues together, I mean, it was well-documented. You could look it up. 
Rondo and Ray Allen didn't get along. Ray Allen has talked about a big reason why he left Boston, who he was loved there. Why he left Boston was because Rondo pushed him out. Rondo made, not made him leave, but Rondo basically didn't give him another option. It was either let's play with this guy who he didn't get along with, or let's go play with LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh and learn from Eric Spolstra and live in Miami. It's a no-brainer. Either way, what I'm saying is with Rondo, look at that. He literally pushed a teammate out, a teammate who was there for a championship, who was a big reason. The only reason Rondo has a championship is because he played with three Hall of Famers. And I'm not going to get into Paul Pierce, even though I think he's the most overrated player in the history of basketball. But Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen alone, I mean, Rondo was great there. But it was a lot easier for him to play when he has three all-star Hall of Famers around him. Since then, what has he done? He's gone from team to team, either disrupting their team, their roster, the coaches. Doesn't matter. Look at even last year. People thought the Pelicans were going to fall off. I know we're only three games in, but Elfram Payton is doing just what Rondo did and more. So was it Rondo? Or was it the system that he's in? Or was it the players that is around him? People like to talk about Rondo as being this all-time great. I think he was just a benefactor of being around all-time great players and all-time great teams when he was younger. Since then, he hasn't done anything. Couldn't stick on a team to save his life. And I'll predict this right now. He'll be on his seventh team in six years, either next year or midseason. Back to him just opening up his mouth. Think about this. In the past three years, Rondo has publicly called out Dwayne Wade and now Chris Paul, two of LeBron's best friends in the league. And yeah, it's like, okay, whatever. Why should I be focused on LeBron when I'm just going to do my own thing, say what I need to say? And yeah, people can respect that. That's fine with me. But you know, sometimes being a good teammate, you know when and who to talk about and when and who not to talk about. And that's the thing. You think LeBron is sitting there at home, sitting there maybe even in a locker room, looking over at Rondo and going, who the hell does this guy think he is? LeBron knows he's even had issues with Rondo. He put that aside because he brought him in and said, okay, with the way Rondo plays, he could help Lonzo out. And I totally am on board for that. If Rondo could help Lonzo improve and get acclimated to this NBA game, I'm all for it. But so far, it's three games into the season, and he's already causing headaches. However you want to put it, he's already causing headaches. I don't, I mean, I don't know. And then the other story that came out, which I find really funny, is that everyone's making a big deal about this, Bleacher Report, and everyone's posting these quotes. Big Baby Davis came out and agreed with Chris Paul, or agreed with Rajon Rondo, and said Chris Paul is also a bad teammate. You want to know who Big Baby didn't get along with? Doc Rivers. Same person Rondo didn't get along with. You know who Doc Rivers loved? Chris Paul. Kind of weird, huh? Kind of weird how... How Big Baby, who, by the way, it's tough to have a character witness for yourself when that character witness has been arrested for felony drug charge and felony assault charges in the past couple years. Crazy to have him come out and be like, yeah, I stand with Rondo. Chris Paul's the bad teammate. It's like, really? The felon is siding with you. Hooray. Why are we making that a big news? I don't get it. And then Ryan Hollins, who even cares? What'd that guy play? I mean, seriously. 
guy was like the 12th guy on every team, would get like 10 minutes every other, uh, every other week. I mean, come on. Really? Do we really care about what Ryan Hollins has to say? I mean, sorry, but let's, let's hear someone else come out and talk about it. And even then, we've heard people who didn't get along with LeBron James when he was a teammate. We heard people who didn't get along with Kobe when he was a teammate. I'm sure there's people out there that hated playing with Michael Jordan. That does not matter. The greats demand more from the other player. I mean, think about it. If you were going to practice and you had a guy that was super cool with you, you know, friends with you, hang out with you afterwards, always was there to support you, ah, you fail, whatever, you'll get it next time, yeah, you'd love that guy. You know the guy you would have sort of issues with if you, didn't, if you couldn't handle criticism was a guy who would say, no, we, we need more from you. We need you to do more. You need to, you need to hit better shots. You need to take smarter shots. You need to play more on defense you probably wouldn't like that guy as much. And that's the kind of guy that Chris Paul seems like to me. The kind of guy who's getting on teammates and saying, hey man, why'd you shoot eight threes if you only made one of them? Why'd you keep shooting? Why don't you look for a better shot? That guy probably doesn't like Chris Paul that much. But in reality, you should look at it and go, well, he's just trying to help. He may do it in the wrong way. And I'm not saying Chris Paul is the greatest person of all time. I don't even know these guys. I'm just talking about what I see. But what I'll tell you, is Chris Paul left the Hornets, they got worse. Chris Paul left the Clippers, they got worse. Every team he's gone to has gotten better. So he's a great player. He's one of the best point guards in the history of the league. And to say he's a bad teammate, I mean, you could find that for every player. You, could, you literally can find that for every player that says they're a bad teammate. But there's going to be guys out there that also say they're great teammates. Anyways, we'll leave that for a later discussion after these guys retire and there's 30 for 30s and it's going to be awesome. Either way, I side with Chris Paul and I take Chris Paul over Rondo any day of the week, not even given the talent, just given the way they play the game. I'd take Chris Paul, the way they look at the game, the way they demand respect, demand intensity. And let's not forget, Chris Paul is also the president of the Players Union, something Rondo has never even tried to do or even get involved with. So the bad teammate is the one representing every freaking teammate in the NBA, and the good teammate is the one throwing punches at that guy. All right. You guys think whatever you want to think. Chris Paul being a baby, whining to the refs, all right, whatever you want. I'll take him on my team 10 times out of 10. All right, enough with that stuff. Um, let's get to the actual problems that the Lakers have, because they have, they have a bunch. Uh, as much as you guys may not want to admit it, the Lakers have issues. But these suspensions, they might actually help. These suspensions with Ingram and Rondo being out may not be the worst case scenario, especially being this early in the season. I mean, think about it. Even if the Lakers lose the next couple of games and they start out 1-5 or 2-6 or whatever they start out with, it might not be that bad because you know what it does? It gives Lonzo, it gives Kuzma, and it gives Josh Hart more minutes. Not just more minutes for themselves, but more minutes alongside LeBron. And that's huge. That's huge for gaining chemistry. And that's huge for their games. They have to learn to play with this guy because this guy later in the season is going to be playing 40 to 45 minutes a night. They got to learn to play with him. His, his style of basketball is so much different than what they have been playing in the last year. I know the Lakers want to run. I know LeBron says he wants to run. But here's the deal. 
have you noticed in the first couple games other than this last game in the first half? LeBron looks more intense in the beginning. He may not be scoring like he did in the second half of that game against the Spurs, but he looks more active. As the game goes on with more of that running, with more of the defending the bigs, he's going to wear down. It's just human nature. You're going to get tired. It's just too much for him. He's in year 16. I know he is his physical specimen. I know he plays the most minutes in the league year after year. But it wears you down running like that. He's never ran like this in his life. And the Lakers do look at their best when they get a defensive stop and they get on the break. And I love it. I hope they keep doing that. And I hope Lonzo is the one who ignites that because, man, I'll tell you what. Lonzo has really impressed me with his offensive game, which is surprising because coming into the year, I thought... He's, what, 6'5", 6'6", long arms, great defender. He's not been that great defensively. If you've actually watched the games, he's been falling asleep off off ball, hasn't been that engaged, and on ball, he's slacking. He's not terrible, but he's not great. He's about average. He should be better. He's a young guy. they got to play with their intensity all game. I know that's expecting a lot, but these guys are young. These guys are so young. They don't got minutes on their on their tires. They they got to play. Like LeBron said, they got to be playing hard all game long, offensively and defensively. And I know that's trying to make an excuse saying, oh, LeBron's taking a, taking a rest on defense. Yeah, you know what? He's going to. You know why? He's just not at that level anymore. He doesn't have that defensive prowess anymore. He can't be as an elite defender on that end of the floor anymore unless he saves it for the end of games and he checks a guy. That might happen. But the thing is, is getting more playing time, especially a guy like Kuzma, who I think is going to excel perfectly next to LeBron. We saw that in the Spurs game, scored 37 points. Kuzma is a great finisher around the rim. He has a lot of moves. He's got that hook shot. He's got great footwork underneath the basket. Can feel the defender and go up with the ball over a taller guy. Feels when he knows he can he can shoot the ball without getting blocked. Very good at that. And he's also he's also a pretty damn good three point shooter. He's not he's not awesome at it. He's not an elite shooter yet. But he can space the floor as that as that small four or as the three guard with LeBron in there at the small four. That's it's it's just they're in a tough situation because they want to start Ingram with LeBron. LeBron's talked highly of him. Everyone talks highly of him. They see it. They see his talent. I think what they're seeing is they see his potential. You know, they see where he could be. I don't think they see where he is now because what Brandon Ingram is, is Brandon Ingram's good when he has the ball in his hands. When he doesn't have the ball in his hands, and yeah, he cuts pretty well. He can make those plays inside. But man, I... For what I've seen, I know it's three games. I know it's only three games, and I'm not trying to overreact. I'm really not. Kuzma looks a lot better with LeBron than Ingram does. And I think if they keep Kuz as the starting small forward, play him at his legit position, don't have him playing this small four or center and having to check these bigs, it's exhausting for him. Offensively, he's not going to have any energy. I just, I never understood going into the season with JaVale McGee as your only Big, other than Wagner, who's not ready to play yet, but still a rookie and not like a defensive guy who can guard these. I mean, he wouldn't have done anything against Aldridge as well. He would have fouled out just like Zubach did. But with Ingram, if he came off the bench, man, if he could embrace that six-man role, and it doesn't mean he's going to get limited minutes. He could still play the same amount of minutes. 
just like Josh Hart has been. He's been coming off the bench, KCP starting. Hart's been coming off the bench, but Hart's playing more minutes than KCP. Want to know why? Because he's way better at every single thing than KCP is, but I'll get to that later. Anyways, Ingram off the bench would be perfect. Guy loves to have the ball in his hands, is a good creator, good player off the dribble, can get to his spots, is aggressive with the ball. He's better with the ball than Kuz is, and Kuz is better off the ball than Ingram is. So why not play the guy who's better off the ball with LeBron, with Lonzo, or with Rondo, whoever's starting between them, which should be Lonzo, and then play Ingram off the bench, who gives him all this ability to do what he needs to do. You know, drive inside, kick it out, great passer, or take a shot, get to his spots. Gives him the leeway to not take away from LeBron, not take away from Lonzo, not take away from Kuzma, and do what he needs to do. Then you could adjust and you could bring other players in with him. But I'm saying, I think that's the smartest decision right now. I think Kuzma starting alongside LeBron makes the most sense. And I hope Luke does that because I don't want to see him fired because I don't think there's any other option other than him. It doesn't make a lot of sense if they fire him to promote who? Brian Shaw? Bring in an outsider all of a sudden randomly? It doesn't make a lot of sense. I think they got to keep Luke. I think Luke is a decent coach, but I think he's struggling right now, which I expected. But this roster, they got competitors. They got a lot of players who can play, but it's going to be very tough to manage those minutes. And it's going to be very tough for, for Luke to say, hey, KCP can't start anymore. You never know what LeBron will feel about that. Maybe LeBron will say, hey, he's just in a funk. LeBron went to bat for JR for all those years. There were games where... Weeks at a time where JR was unplayable. Shouldn't have been playing. But he started every game. And that's the tough situation with Luke. And I, I don't know. I, I hope I hope that they continue with him. I know the um, odds makers are already making him the most likely coach to get fired, which is insane to me. I mean, he's only been with the team. Was last year his first year, I believe. It's too early. Way too early. Anyways, uh, next thing I have written down, I kind of already touched on it, but Josh Hart has to start. He has to start. I mean, what does KCP do better than Josh Hart at this point? Defense? No way. Both of them aren't great at defense, but Hart's got the edge. Hart has been has shown that he's good at defense, but there's times where so far this season he's been a little below average. He's been getting blown by a lot. Um, but KCP has been atrocious, not hitting shots. And that's the thing. If Josh Hart can continue shooting like this, Man, that guy has to start, and he has to play close to 40 minutes a night. I'm not even kidding. And the thing is, is though, as well as he's been shooting, his attacking to the rim is ridiculously impressive. He is finishing almost everything. I mean, he has turned into a legit NBA player. Coming in as a 3 and D guy, and now he's turning into where... I mean, I'm not trying to get that crazy because I don't think his shot is as good as his form-wise. But man, he's gelling into that Clay Thompson role. If he can figure out how to use his body and defend and be locked down like Clay is, and that's tough to beat because Clay is is like a perfect shooting guard. But Josh Hart is going down that road. I mean, he's a better attacker than Clay is, finishing off the rim and better off the dribble. But man, if he can get that role with LeBron, it's gonna be perfect. And I I wouldn't expect much longer until Hart's inserted into the starting lineup. If not, uh, kind of, if it takes a while, I say give 20 games until you can judge Luke. But after that, I mean, it's going to be hard to defend him anymore if it continues this way. With the lineups, though, 
the thing I will say, especially right now with these suspensions, is that Lonzo should be starting like he is. But when Braun comes out at the eight-minute mark, nine-minute mark, whatever it is that Luke takes him out at, Lonzo needs to stay in the game. Luke cannot take both of them out at the same time and have Lance run the point or Josh Hart run the point. It just doesn't make sense. You've got to stagger them. You have to stagger them. Leave Lonzo in the whole first quarter. And then when you take Lonzo back out, put Braun back in. Then put Lonzo back in. Then take Braun out. I mean, just stagger them. They play well together, even though the plus and minus hasn't shown it. They have played well off of each other, and I think it will improve. And Lonzo, I swear, I was big on the whole, I think Kuzma and Hart are the guys they should keep. Lonzo and Ingram, they should try and flip for a superstar. And I still believe the same thing with Ingram, and I think later in the year, it'll intensify. But with Lonzo, man, especially in that Spurs game, a little bit in that Rockets game, he's looked he's looked mighty impressive. And I hope he continues. I, I'm watching him closely because he's got a lot of hype around him. And But I, I do think Luke needs to stagger them. Now, the one thing that the, the Lakers do need on this roster is another big. I mean... If it wasn't apparent in that San Antonio Spurs game, I don't know how else how else to show to fans, to the team, to uh, to anyone that they need a big. I mean, McGee has been pretty damn good. He's been way better than I expected. Did not expect JaVale McGee, the Shaqton a full champion, to be this good for the Lakers. But man, he has been he has been excellent. Blocking the ball, finishing at the rim, running I mean, he's been giving his all, and I applaud him for that, and I think he's a good fit for them. That was a good signing. But McGee would be perfect off the bench as an energy guy, as a backup big, as a guy that can come in, give you some minutes when your starting center is in foul trouble or struggling, whatever the case may be. But as a starter, especially if he's your starter, that means your big rotation is very bad. I mean, playing minutes of Kuzma at the four, at the 5, LeBron at the 5. It may seem it may seem smart in hindsight going small like that. It just doesn't work. It really doesn't. Um, you could play a a power forward at the small 5, but expecting a small forward, I mean, LeBron is big. He could check a center. But what is your reasoning to have the greatest player on the planet defend the biggest guy and exert that much energy? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. And then you expect him on the offensive end to also lead the team's points and be efficient like he like he has been in recent years and or his whole career, it's just not going to happen. It just it's not even smart. McGee would have been a perfect backup, a perfect backup. And it's funny because I I think about it, who would be a great small five for the Lakers? Like actually sit there and think out of anybody in the league. When it comes into and I'm not talking about like oh let's take. Draymond Green. Like, you're not going to get... Let's be realistic. Who is a realistic guy that could have played that small five? Here's a name. Julius Randle. A guy the Lakers let walk. He would have been perfect as the, even the starting five for the Lakers. Dude competes his ass off on the defensive end. And offensively, he's turned into a pretty damn good player. Want to know what's hilarious? The Lakers gave Rondo, already causing issues. Lance, he's a joke. And Beasley, atrocious. 17 million combined. 
for this year. They're one-year deals, not terrible. Still have cap space for next year. Obviously, none of them will be back, I don't believe. But uh, Julius Randle is making $17 million with the Pelicans over the next two years. Not even just this year. The next two years. So they could have easily kept Randle and gone out and gotten a Rondo, a type of Rondo player, not give him all this money, or Lance, or Beasley. All three of those players do nothing for this team. I mean, Rondo will. Rondo does. I'm sorry. Rondo does do stuff for this team. I can't say he doesn't do anything for this team. He does do things for this team, and he will probably end up being a decent signing. But if you had to tell me, would you rather have Julius Randle and say some other point guards that can fill out the roster and another big or another small forward on the team, or maybe it even leads to Sfee getting more minutes. You know, I'd take Randall. I'd take Randall over that without a doubt. And I, it, it kind of makes me think, like, how would a lineup of Lonzo, Hart, Kuzma, LeBron, and Randall look? It's a pretty damn good lineup. Pretty damn good lineup. Um... Well, it's funny too. Is Rondo, Lance, and Beasley are making seventeen million? That doesn't even include the twelve million that KCP is making. That's tw- that's almost thirty million dollars between four players who, other than Rondo, kind of unplayable. I mean, KCP at this point is unplayable. The guy looks awful on the court. Obviously, he's on the team because of clutch sports. He's LeBron's guy, and you know, I'll defend LeBron. To the death of me. I think he's the greatest athlete I've ever witnessed. Everyone can have their own opinions. It's fine. He's just not the greatest judge of talent. I mean, it's it's kind of obvious at this point. Just because you are the greatest talent doesn't mean you can judge talent the greatest. And I think it's been apparent, especially looking at this roster. I get he has ties to Beasley, so that one made sense. But Lance and Rondo? KCP? Um, now McGee has been decent. Rondo could be decent, but Lance Beasley and KCP, they could have gotten better players than that. They could have gotten much better players than that. Hell, the, 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 like, even like a guy like Noah Vonley, the Knicks got him on a non-guaranteed deal. Lakers could have easily gotten him. He'd be playing big minutes for them right now. He would legit by game 10 start at center. I'm not even joking. With this roster, Vonley would be playing 25 minutes a night. But instead, they gave their money to Lance. And I assume LeBron, like they said, was a big part of that. He wanted competitors. He wanted toughness. He wanted that to help the young guys. And guess what? It might work. But there's a very highly chance of it not working and it falling apart drastically and being terrible. And it's already it, we're already seeing it with Rondo. Rondo's the best player out of all of them. And he's already causing issues game three into the season. Game two, actually. Now with LeBron, let's get real for a second. People are finally getting to see regular season LeBron James. They're finally getting to see him on a game-to-game basis. It's not most fans, most Laker fans, watching LeBron play, say, the Warriors or the Celtics or the Sixers. You know, the big teams on TNT and ESPN, ABC. They're getting to see LeBron day in. And day out. And they're... What are they expecting? I see people on Twitter talking about, LeBron needs to shoot better. 
LeBron needs to take better shots. LeBron needs to play better defense. Here's a news flash for you. LeBron should care more about the regular season, but he doesn't. It's his 16th season. He's done everything. And I know he was the pick for everyone to win MVP. I took Giannis. I mean, not I didn't vote for him or anything, but that's my pick for the year. Was before the season started, so uh, you can take my check my Twitter on that. But anyways, LeBron does not play a lick of defense in the regular season. He may play a little bit better in the in the postseason, but LeBron doesn't exert his energy on that end of the floor anymore. Hasn't done it since Miami. Just this, it's just a simple fact. Um, and you could hate on him all you want, but when he has that high of a usage on offense and has to do that much on offense. Uh, I don't blame the guy for not playing that well on defense. Now, when it comes to it, to shooting, he goes through this. I mean, LeBron's never been an, an awesome jump shooter, right? LeBron has never had that in his game. If he did, man, it wouldn't even be a question. He'd be the greatest player of all time. But he doesn't. He's gotten better at it. And Miami figured it out towards the end. And in Cleveland, he had a pretty damn good shot. This year, he's struggling, but it happens. And LeBron at the start of seasons has never been the LeBron James that everyone knows. But LeBron at the beginning of seasons, he starts out slow. And you know what he tries to do is he tries to get chemistry. He tries to get the teammates involved. He tries to let players do what they need to do. He tries to get the ball to Kuzma at 37. A lot of that was LeBron. Whether it be passes, whether it be spacing, whether it be the attention that he gets while he's on the court, opening up the lane, opening up shots. LeBron helps in ways that you may not see. But don't expect him to play intense defense. Don't expect him to give a 100% effort throughout the game. It's just not going to happen. That's just not LeBron James. LeBron sees the bigger picture. He doesn't play every game like it's his last. And I know it's it's incredibly tough for Laker fans because they saw Kobe, and Kobe was one of the ultimate competitors. He treated practices like they were the finals. And everyone's different. Every player's different. You may want that instead. But guess what? By the age LeBron's at, or by this season 16, Kobe was already starting to break down. Kobe's career was already going downhill in a hurry. LeBron doesn't want that to happen, so he doesn't do that. LeBron hates practices. It's been noted. LeBron doesn't practice that hard. Doesn't He just shoots. LeBron's seen it all. He's done it all. What else is there for him to do? What he's focused on now, and I can tell in this game, I've been watching him for a decade, over a decade, game in, every game. Missed about 10 games in the past eight years. LeBron wants to get these young players involved. He wants Josh Hart to play like this. He wants Lonzo to play like this. Did you see how many times LeBron would drive in and kick it out to Lonzo for a three? That's chess. Not checkers. He is gaining the confidence in in Lonzo for himself and for Lonzo. Lonzo hitting these shots, his confidence has got to be through the roof right now. He's shooting the ball without hesitation. And he's being, he's affecting the game on the offensive end, which was a struggle for him, which was questioned about him. And LeBron. That's a game that he's playing. That's a game that he's trying to implement into these young guys. He's really trying to make them excel in their abilities. 
So I don't know. I mean, we can have fair criticism of LeBron, and I'm fine with it. LeBron should hit those free throws without a doubt. He should make every free throw. Absolutely. Did I expect him to make both? Not really. He's never been a great free throw shooter, especially when it comes to late game situations. Whether that be that it's just he's too much in his head. Because the free throws are the only re- – if you watch him nowadays, he takes those last-minute shots, those threes or those jump shots without hesitation. He doesn't even think about it. It doesn't even bother him anymore. But when he gets to the free throw line, then he has time to think about it. And he sits there, and he needs to make both. He needs to make one. It doesn't matter. He gets in his head too much, and that's been his kryptonite. I mean, that's the one downfall of his game. He's like a 75 77% free throw shooter in his career. He's never been awesome at it. And there's no discount. There's no – Taking away from that, he should have made that. He should have made both those free throws. It was a very unclutch of him. I mean, there's no um, there's no ignoring that. I, he has to make those free throws. Any player has to make those free throws. Anyways, like I said, Braun isn't the best judge of talent. Uh, this roster shows that, and it will throughout the season. Um, but all in all, I, I'll end with this, is that the Lakers are going to be fine. I think they're going to be fine. They have some good players. Do I expect it to be this year? I don't. Um, the thing is with, with this team is I am still expecting some type of move. Now, with the way Lonzo's been playing, it's tough. And like I said, it's still three games. He could be terrible tonight against Phoenix. Um, depending on what time you guys listen to this, the game might already be done. Lonzo could have scored 26 and had 10 assists. Um, but Lonzo could also be terrible tonight against the Suns. And he could be terrible for weeks at a time. Who knows? But for right now, the guy that I would expect that will be moved later in the season is Brandon Ingram. And I know it's tough for everyone to hear that. I know it is because he's 21 years old and he's already shown what he could be. And with the way Braun talks about him, Luke talks about everyone talks about him. They want him, they expect him to be this big time player. And while that still may be true, he may turn into this awesome player, he's gonna have the most trade interest. You know, he's going to his value in a trade is going to be higher than any player on this roster outside of LeBron. So if Kuzma keeps playing this well and they play him more at small forward next to LeBron and Hart keeps playing this well at shooting guard and Lonzo continues to play this well at point guard. There's one odd man out. And it's Brandon Ingram. And if they can get another small forward for him that can contribute now. And be elite now. And be what Brandon Ingram is supposed to be two or three years from now. They can get that now. They have to do it. They have to do it. Um, but the thing with the Lakers is I think they're going to be fine. They could be They could be okay this year. But I just I would not be surprised if they missed the playoffs. Especially in the West. Everyone says, oh, let's not overreact. Let's not make a change. It's too soon. There's never a time that's too soon in the Western Conference. I mean, look at the teams they've lost to so far. Blazers, playoff team. Rockets, playoff team. Spurs, playoff team. Those are three big losses. Yay, if they beat the Suns today, yay, whatever. That's one, it's expected. Two, it's not like that's a big win. It's not like it's going to come down to the final week and be like, oh, damn, it's between the Lakers and Suns for the seventh and eighth seed. What happens when they lose to the Spurs again? Or they lose three out of four? Or the Blazers? Those are going to be big time come to the end of the year. It's going to be a lot closer than you think. This Lakers team is one of the most random teams I've ever seen in the league. Definitely the most random in Braun's career. 
They could end up being the three seed, four seed, five seed. They could miss the playoffs. It's all up in the air. I don't know what to expect with this team, and I tell that to everyone. It's fun to watch this team because what can you expect? It's going to be a bad night. It's going to be a, is it going to be a good night? You know? But the one thing I'll say is, is watch, um, watch. Don't be surprised if Ingram is in trade rumors later in the season if Kuz continues to play like this, especially next to LeBron. I would not be surprised if Ingram's in trade rumors. And the other situation that I would watch, and I, I wouldn't downplay it, I, I really would not downplay it, is the Rondo situation. It could get really toxic. We've seen it in the past with Rondo in the locker rooms that it gets toxic. The thing is, is that he's had issues with Bron. Now he has issues with his two best friends. It's just a situation that we it has to be monitored. And uh, hopefully reporters like Dave McMiniman will give us the insight and um, we'll see if there's a players-only meeting by, uh, by December or January. Would not be surprised if that's the case either. Either way, we're in for a very fun season, and hopefully they figure it out because I want to see this team compete. I do. I want to see this team, and it's not like they haven't been competitive. Every game they've been close. They've been right there. they got to learn to win, and they will. They will learn to win. It's just going to take some time, and it's going to take some moves, and I think both those things can be true. I think one of the young guys has to get moved, and they could all end up being very good. They could all, they could, it, it, both can be true. Ingram could turn out to be a great player two or three years from now. But him getting moved right now for a really good player that can contribute right away would also make sense given where the team's at and given the young guys you could still fall back on. Guess what? If you give up 21-year-old Brandon Ingram, and even if he turns out to be a top 10 player in the league, you still got Lonzo, Hart, and Kuzma as your young guys. And not to mention, watch out for Svee. Might not work this year. But he's going to turn into a good player. And who knows with Wagner? He might be awesome as well. That's five young guys that they can rely on that can contribute over the next four years while LeBron's here. Why it Just stop being tied to a player like Ingram. If he stays and he gets better right away, awesome. If he gets traded and they get a high-level player in return, that's awesome too. Basketball is not so black and white. There are gray areas. Both things could be true. One thing I'll leave with, whenever LeBron went to back to Cleveland, they had the number one pick. Andrew Wiggins was the guy that everyone said was going to be the number one pick. They traded that pick, after they drafted him, obviously, for Kevin Love. Everyone hated the trade. Said Wiggins wouldn't, would have been perfect next to LeBron. With his athleticism, his attacking, would have been the perfect fit next to LeBron. Kevin Love will not work next to LeBron. He's more like a Bosch. He isn't going to work. Guess what? They won a championship. And not only that, Kevin Love has been better than Andrew Wiggins at every part of their games over the course of Wiggins' career. may have looked like a tough decision then, but sometimes the young prospect is not always the better decision to keep over the proven veteran that could come in, score, and make a difference every single night. Especially when you have the best player in the world. Thanks for listening. Let's continue the season. Let's have fun. Uh, let's create a dialogue. I know most of you guys listening to this are going to disagree with me on a lot of these things. And that's fine. I, uh, I'll listen to it and I'll respond. But it's definitely an interesting team. Anyways, 
Thanks for listening. Hopefully I do another one of these.